You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 198. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how's it going, buddy? Doing all right. Uh, we are starting new renovations in the house, Ooh. and we're, we're looking for an air conditioner to put up on the wall because we don't have air ducts. Like, we don't have a hot air or cold air return or anything like that. And apparently you can only, like, buy one. There's really? one that I could buy. One company I could buy from. There, there are others, but it's like, Mr. Cool Air Conditioning. I'm not buying a Freezy, so no thank you. I, I will go with a more reputable sounding brand than Mr. Cool. Yeah, I, I don't on. I don't know. I feel like if your brand is Mr. Cool as, as like, I don't know. That's like a doctor named, like, Mr. Doctor. It's just it's too on the nose, and yeah. I I just don't I don't trust it. Also, the price point is much lower than the other brands. So I'm going, eh, I I don't, and it comes with everything. So you're going, ah, there's something here where yeah. it doesn't fit. It's too good to be true. So I, I smart move from you, Mitch. Gonna be honest there. But it sucks that I had like the two options. It's either Mr. Cool or Ream is the other brand, and that that's it. And I'm going, okay, cool mm-hmm. options. Great. We love What's going that. on with you? Um, not too much. Had a uh, nice Memorial Day weekend. Uh, had my one of my buddies' uh, bachelor parties, which was which was awesome. Uh, we chilled in the Poconos. We had a nice Airbnb. Everyone in the house was, you know, vaccinated, all good to go. And we kind of we, we hung out at the house. We went paintballing, which me paintballing was a sight to see. That was scary, Mitch. Is it because you stand so tall and you can see the whole field, or is is that the, the no, advantage you're trying to paint? No, here? no, no, no. It was just very inexpe- like we had like 16 year olds who like very much so were like very like <laughs> taking this so seriously, who were like calling out their shots like it was Call of Duty or something like that, and we we're just like trying not to be able to like try to be able to see because the visor kept fogging up because it was raining. It was just a disaster. Oh yeah, they have like the the double trigger or whatever. Oh so yeah. So they're, they're shooting like ten paintballs at a time. And you're like, how do I shoot the one? Yeah, I didn't have my my gun loaded for the first uh, <laughs> match, and I didn't realize that I didn't load it properly. So it was just not good. Not good. No, and you're getting smothered in paint and bruises. Good times. Yeah. So uh, speaking of good times, the Islanders were able to even up the series in Game Two. So heading back to the Coliseum for Game Three. It's tied up at one game apiece. So I got to be feeling pretty good about that. No, Mitch? 100%, right? Like they're now going to the Coliseum, Fort Never Lose, specifically this year, right? Where that was, they were the second best home team. Yep. I believe, based off record, the only one better than them were the Pittsburgh Penguins. Those dumb flightless birds are done. Um, and now it's on to the, the Sleepy Chunky Boys. Um, and the, the Coliseum's going to be rocking already 9,000 people sounded like it was a stadium not a stadium like a big football 100,000 people stadium uh adding another 3,000 people to that look out yeah absolutely so uh gonna be interesting to see how that you know fares but gotta be feeling pretty good about yourself to me the the biggest storyline from the first couple of games was the goalie switch so in game one Ilya Sorokin gets the start I don't think he was necessarily bad. Like, I don't put that loss on him. But when you see, you know, four goals against in a five, was it 5-2 loss? Then yes. I'm not necessarily surprised that Barry Trotz made the switch because he's done that all year long. 
Yeah, well, you got two quality goalies to pull from. You might as well use him, right? Like, he didn't make a change to the lineup, even in terms of bringing in someone or even switching the lines around. The only other card you have to play then if you're looking for a change is you swap the goalie out. And most teams can't really do that. Like, you look at the Montreal Canadiens and you look at uh, Winnipeg Jets who are playing right now, uh, neither of them can necessarily do that. If, if Hellebuck or Price aren't to their game, they're done. It's it. It's over. Uh, same, same thing with Toronto, right? Like if uh, Jake, uh, if Campbell can't play well, you can maybe go to Freddie Anderson, but he hasn't been playing very well. The Islanders have two very good goalies where it's like, well, he's not playing well today. Cool. I'll try the other one who I can trust will give me close to a 920 save percentage on most nights. Yeah, exactly. They have a luxury that most teams don't, which I think was the, the point that you're trying to say there, which is uh, good that Barry Trotz has been able to take advantage of that. Uh, because, well, there's you got to take, in, especially in this time in the playoffs, you have to take every advantage that you can. What Absolutely. It, it's a game of, of marginal. Uh, how do I say this? It's a game played on the margin, right? Every marginal advantage you can accumulate is what you need to get to the next round. Uh, and for for if it's goaltending that where you have an advantage, you have to use it. You have to play it. Right. Like the, the Boston, the, the, yeah, the Boston Bruins have a good backup goalie in Jeremy Swayman. Uh, but they don't really have to worry about that so much right now. Although, although I, I did read something that um, Tuka Rask might be sporting an owie. So we'll see what happens tomorrow for game three uh, if he's good to go. I, I imagine he'll play, but it seems that he's not playing at 100%. So maybe advantage there for us. Uh, but we have two goalies we can pull from. We might as well use them when the one goalie, in this case, Elias Sorokin, maybe didn't have a standout game in game number one. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, th that's just the thing. In in game one, you want to start there? You want to go into game one first and then kind of get into game two and where we are now at this point? Yeah, I think that's probably... let's do that. And, and we won't go into like the, the nitty gritties of each game mm -hmm. because if you want, we have a Patreon account where we go down and, and we will have a post-game show, a half-hour post-game show after every game. So if you want a breakdown of the games immediately after they happen, go to patreon.com slash eyes on aisles and sign up today. Absolutely. So uh, in game one, started out okay, and then third period just meltdown city. Absolutely. And like the Islanders weren't necessarily playing well to begin with. Um, like the, the numbers aren't favoring the Islanders at all in, in, in that game. They ended with a 19.91 expected goals for of course, at five on five, but like you know, that's that's where most of the game is played. That that in and of itself tells you the story of that game. It wasn't very close. Uh, Sorokin did a good job to keep it close, but his team wasn't helping him out. No, absolutely not. I don't think they played well in front of Sorokin. So yeah, it stinks that Sorokin got benched because of that, but the team wasn't great in front of him. That's for sure. No, and he can still hang his hat on the fact like I powered my team through the Pittsburgh Penguins. So like. You know, and Boston's another beast than, than Pittsburgh itself. No, absolutely. So uh, you could absolutely, like you said, he can hold his hat on that. But uh, through game one, again, the, the the top line of the Boston Bruins just wreaking havoc, specifically David Pasternak. The Islanders aren't going to contain the top line of the Boston Bruins. Not not totally. Not like they did with Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, and Brian Russ. With all due respect to Brian Russ and Jake Gensel, they're not David Pasternak and Brad Marchand. No. They just aren't. 
So the idea here is that they have to contain them as best they can, limit those opportunities, and they did not do that in game one at all. To be fair, Boston has last change, and they 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 put Pasternak, Marchand, Bergeron out against the Barzal line most of the time. Right, which that tend that tends to work because that's not a shutdown line. I mean, in a perfect world, you're putting I don't know any of the other Islanders three lines against them. Really, like. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, Eddie, pick, take your pick. Either one, just not the Barzell line, which is why David Cassidy did what he did. Right, exactly. And it worked for him, and, and, uh, clearly, in that game because they were dominant. They were. That wasn't necessarily the case in game two, but in game one, absolutely. Uh, and so those, those were some of the things that the Islanders needed to fix. Line going into game two. Line one needed to be more accountable and more present, specifically Matthew Barzell. Uh, the goaltending need to be needed to be a little bit better as well, uh, and they got that in game two. They did, yeah. Semyon Varlamov came in and was very, very good, which uh, I tweeted and then got some backlash <laughs> because the Islanders gave up uh, a two goal lead in that, and, and suppose and that's on Semyon Varlamov for reasons. You, well, you have to keep that to after the game, Matt. That's not value added. Why, why didn't you just say that at the end of the game? I, I don't I don't know because I, I don't for the last five years I've live tweeted Islanders games on a on our main account. That's how people cover the sport. Yeah, and apparently that that's a bad thing to a few people. It's just you you can never please everyone. So if anyone's going through life thinking you have to please everyone, please don't. Never do that because you never will ever never ever ever will you ever please anyone. All at the same time. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, a little. You could be giving out free puppies, and you'll find one person like, "I hate puppies. <laughs> Give me a cat or something." Yeah, maybe like, oh, you don't have this kind of puppy. I'm I'm allergic to long haired dogs. Yeah, and you're like, ah. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> but but Varley was really good, and that was the point, right? They wanted to bring in a guy who is a 9.43 save percentage and a 1.94 goals against average against the Boston Bruins this year, and damn it, he did. Well, maybe not exactly that, but pretty darn good. Yeah, absolutely. And that is, well, what they needed because he kept them in that game at points where the it looked like the surge was coming from Boston, but he stood tall. Absolutely, right? Like the expected goals for were still in Boston's favor uh, throughout the game, 52.56. Uh, but Varley held a 94.92 scoring chances save percentage. So, like, that that's pretty good, whereas Tuka Rask was 90.94. So, like, he, he outdid or outdueled, if you will, Tuka Rask on the night, and that made all the difference. Yeah, clearly it did. It very, very much so did. And that, that was that was the big thing, right? Like you said at the start, the big thing going into, not going into the series, but the big talking point of the series at this point was the goalie change. And it's not to be like, oh, my God, it was so controversial to put Simeon Varlamov in. It just, it was so effective to do so and like we said at the beginning that is something that few teams have that they, they can rely on even Boston I said it before with Tuka Rask and Jeremy Swayman Jeremy Swayman's a rookie Cassidy is, is going to play if he has to but he's not going to look for a reason to do so like he's not going to go into game three saying like Tuka didn't play that well I'm going to put Swayman in 
No, it's Tuca till I die. Basically. Exactly, which uh, you know, it's great to have a goalie like that. Uh, you know, that's that's a great luxury to have. But you know, at the same time, looking at it through the Islanders' lens, they have the ability to make that switch, as we you know hit on. Uh, I liked how you mentioned earlier with the top line needing to play better because I thought they were very much so present in this game in game two. They absolutely were. They were much better in game two. Like. Barry Trotz talked about it afterwards, saying that, you know, Barzell isn't so much concerned with his production right now as he shouldn't be. Because like a Barry Trotz always says, if you play right, the production will come. And you saw that with Matthew Barzell in game two. He didn't put up any points. I No, I don't think he, he kind he could have, I guess. But like he had a say in, uh, I think it was a power play goal um, or the Ryan Pollock goal. Doesn't matter. Either way. He had to say, he had a presence, but he didn't put up any points, but they won. And that's all he cares about right now is winning as he should. But the production will come. If he plays like he did in game two, in game three and forward, he will have points. He will be a productive player and they will win because of it. Yes, absolutely. This team very much so tends to go as Matt Barzal goes. Uh, And while... He wasn't his normal self in the Pittsburgh series. They were able to get by because how good the second line was, how good J.G. Pajot was, Kyle Palmieri came alive, like things like that. But normally, as we've known now for the last, what, three years, if Matthew Barzal is playing well, chances are the Islanders are too. Yeah, and that was the case in game two. Like, Boston was still good, right? We still had to go to OT, although we probably shouldn't have had to because of that dumb, that dumb, cross-check to the back of the head um, that resulted in a fine but the Islanders they, they did well they played their game they played their style uh, and, and they eked out a win uh, so a good job for them uh, we did what we needed to do they have to do it again in game three tomorrow or today whenever you listen to this absolutely so where are you at now as the series shifts back to the Nassau Coliseum uh, what do the Islanders have to do to keep this I guess momentum going in the series when I broke the, down the series, there are three keys for me in terms of how the Islanders can, can pull out a win against the Boston Bruins. Because on paper, Boston already run, won this series, right? They have more talent than the Islanders do. Again, just on paper, the stats favor them. Um, there's just there's, there's more there for Boston in terms of um, just on paper. I said it multiple times. I don't, I'm going in circles. Either way, what the Islanders needed to do is press their depth. And by that, I mean they have to get contributions from the second, third, and even the fourth line if they want to pull out a win here. Because you can't just rely on the top line to get it done, as we're seeing in the series. They've got to press their advantage when it comes to discipline. The Boston Bruins are not a very disciplined team. They're one of the most penalized teams in the regular season, and they're one of the most penalized teams in the playoffs. Take advantage of that. They have to press their advantage when it comes to the power play. And when I say advantage, I just mean like they're going to be gifted a number of opportunities where the Boston Bruins won't. Uh, but we know what Boston's going to be able to do uh, when it comes to that. Uh, but we also, the third thing is that the Islanders have to convert on their high danger opportunities, which is not really saying much because that's the Islanders' MO. But the Boston Bruins allow for a lot of high danger opportunities against, and the uh Islanders have to take advantage of that. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. And like you said, with the firepower that they have, being the Boston Bruins, you can't give them those opportunities if you're the Islanders because you're going to get burned with just how talented they are. But if your power play is average for the Islanders' side and not 
a bottom feeder, then you could be able to take you know take advantage in your spots and get a couple of goals that way and steal a game. Like it's really it's an important aspect to the game, especially because like you said, Boston is so good and it's very hard to beat them in a seven game series. So if you're going to do it, you have to take advantage of every single opportunity that you're given. No. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like we said it with with Pittsburgh, like the Islanders are going to have to play perfectly to get past the Penguins, and, and they did. And the only reason we said that is because the Penguins had some sort of weird voodoo over the Islanders where it was just like whatever the Islanders did, the Penguins were able to counter no matter what, no matter what happened. That isn't necessarily the case with the Boston Bruins. For Boston, it's just we have talent. We, 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 will, we will find our opportunities and we will convert on those opportunities. For the Islanders, it's minimizing those opportunities and making sure you damn well convert on the ones you do get because if you miss on a high-danger opportunity – or you miss on a power play, uh, something that they do relatively frequently, you could pay for it later on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And I think for me, you kind of hinted at it already, or we kind of hinted at it already. For what I think needs to happen as the series shifts and as, you know, these wins start to matter a little bit more as you get closer to the four number, I think Matthew Barzell has to become the player that we know that he is. He's been quiet for too long. I know that he had a better game in game two. Um, I think if they're going to win this series, he has to be the Islanders' best player by far, which, I mean, through the first eight games, he hasn't been. He's very far down the pecking order on where he's ranked. Exactly. Uh, And throughout the regular season, he was one of the better players against the Boston Bruins for the Islanders. So that, that has to come back. And, you know, to, to Boston's credit, they, they maybe not know how to shut Matthew Barzell down, but they're trying their best. Yeah, they and it's working. They are, and it, through the first little bit of the series, it absolutely is working. So uh, is there anything else in this series that you wanted to get into uh, before honing in on one specific player? No, I think we should hone in on one specific player because it, it, it's that important. It is. And when you look at what Anthony Beauvillier has done for the New York Islanders, not only in this series, but just in the eight games in the playoffs so far, he's been their best player. Yeah, with without a question, right? So in the playoffs so far, he has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten points already. Uh, he's on a one, two, three, four, five, six, six-game point streak. I don't know why I had to count that out so quickly, but I did. Six-game point streak in the playoffs. That's insane, uh, at, at least from an Islanders perspective. I know Nathan McKinnon basically scores every game for ever and ever. Yeah. Amen. What a, what a player. Uh, but for Bo, it's not that it's coming out of nowhere. It's that over the last or before last year, it had come out of nowhere. Because if there was anything we knew about Bo, is that he was consistently inconsistent. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean... Now, if you want to go back to last year's playoffs, too, and look at that, this is now two years in a row where in the playoffs he's been a dominant scorer. He's got, what, four goals this year, nine last year? So that's 13 goals over, what, 30 playoff games? He is the 10th most productive player in the NHL over the last two playoffs. Uh, That says a lot. Right. Of course, it's playoffs, so like not all the players have as many games. But you go far if you score a lot, and and Beauvillier is one of those players. Yeah, and we know what he is in the regular season. He's never going to be this. I don't think he's ever going to be the you know fifty-five plus point player that he sometimes flashes. Um, but you'll absolutely take these kinds of surges from Anthony Beauvillier when it matters most. 
Yeah, which is such a shame, right? Because you, you're seeing a point-per-game player in the playoffs, but he can never hit, like, the 40, 50-point, like, plateau even consistently. And we're year four of Bovillier now. Like, we, we know what he is, which is fine. If he shows up for the playoffs, great, we'll take it. He'll help us get to the playoffs and then get us even further? Cool. Great. Uh, but it's really strange how that, that works out where it's just so the playoffs come in and boom, he has like extra fun or something. I, I think so. He's having a little bit of extra fun, but that's what it seems like, right? Like the light switch just turns on on the big stage. Yeah, because it's not a whole lot of, oh, he's doing this more frequently. Ah, uh, yes. Like you can't pinpoint it to one thing specifically because all he's really doing is he's using his speed. He's getting it on the forecheck and he's relentless on the puck. That's what he does all year. All year he's doing that. So I don't understand why all of a sudden it's working out. And it's not like he's not getting any attention from his opponents. They very well know what he can do in the playoffs, but he still just finds a way, man. He does. And I'm, I've am i been really impressed with that entire second line. They've been, looked really, really good. By far the Islanders' best line in uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, well, we talked about Bovilli being the 10th most uh, productive player since 1920 in the playoffs. Uh Josh Bailey is the sixth most productive player since 1920 in the playoffs. <laughs> Josh Bailey, captain, you know, inconsistent or captain no production, is killing it in the playoffs. Uh, and that has something to do with Beauvillier, but it also has something to do with just Josh Bailey bringing it up. This line, for some reason, just is able to bring out the best out of one another when it comes to the playoffs. Yeah, it really does. And it, it makes sense why Barry Trotz doesn't want to mess with it. He, he's stuck with that for a lot of the regular season as well. And it makes sense to to why it, it works. It really does, right? And I again, there's no clear like, ah, yes, they're doing this one thing differently. That is why they are so successful. It's You look at their numbers and you can see that they are successful, but there's no kind of like number where you see like, ah, see, that is the difference from the regular season. No, it's just all different. They're just okay in the regular season and on fire in the playoffs. And there's no real kind of like uh, point déclencheur or événement déclencheur in, in French that that'll relate to why they are what they are now. Uh, they just again they bring out the best of one another when it comes to the playoffs. And if we can tap into that come the regular season, holy hell, would be we be at a better team? But like, whatever, we'll take it come playoff time, obviously. Yes, that that's the whole point that I wanted to get out there was that. Sure, it's a little frustrating during the regular season, the ups and the downs, but if you turn it on in the playoffs because that's all you really care about. If you get there, that's that's all you need because then once you flip that switch, then it doesn't matter. Can we talk about Josh Bailey real quickly? There's one, there's one thing that keeps bothering me. Maybe not bothering me is the right word, but kind of coming back, and it's does his number get raised to the rafters? Bailey? Is Josh Bailey number retirement worthy to you um it depends on if they ever win a stanley cup under his watch even then i don't think i would like islanders hall of fame cool but to retire number 12 sorry no unless he's gonna come in and bring two stanley cups let's even then i don't i don't i just can't see it i can't see it like you can tell me like he's got X number of games more than, than anyone else. And I was like, cool. He was here long. 
great. He probably even shouldn't have some of those numbers. They shouldn't have started him right away in the NHL. They should have played him in the AHL right away or kept him in juniors in a, for a year. There was no reason to bring him in as an 18-year-old at all. No, probably not. And uh, yeah, part of it's longevity, I guess. But it, I wouldn't write it off so quickly. I, I think there's a there's a chance. I guess because you you, I want to say like you look at, at Butch Goring and it's like the numbers aren't there, right? Like you look at his numbers, his stats, and you go like, well, why is his number there, right? But there's everything else around it. There is well, he was the missing piece to winning those four cups, and he was pretty damn important winning those four cups. You right? He won a Conn Smythe one of those years. Right. Uh, and then there's everything else outside of that. Coached the team for a while. He's a cultural icon within the fan base itself because of his his work on TV. So like. He's just been around the Islanders for so long. It just made sense. So if Josh Bailey is going to do that, sure, maybe in a few years, not even a few years, but long after he's retired, yeah, maybe. But it's not the kind of player where the second he retires, let's get number 12 up there. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not there, and I'm a believer. I know. Yeah, you're a very strong believer. I, I get that. And uh, maybe... I don't know, maybe I'm being a little overzealous on uh, on Josh Bailey here, but it, I I think that people sleep on him a little bit just because of uh, of how long he's been here, how high he ranks in some of these Islanders categories. It's impressive. If if putting his number over, uh, up in the Raptors like exercises all of the haters and they immediately come favorite become favorites of his, do it do it tomorrow, please, <laughs> please do it tomorrow. But I don't think that's going to help. If anything, it's going to like embolden everyone who already doesn't like Josh Bailey. Right. That tired narrative. <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to bring it to that because we were talking about Josh and playoff Josh. And it's just I see that and I go like, nah, he's not. He really isn't to me. Even if he's got a cup, like ah, it's just not it. But maybe if he wins a con Smythe and a cup, I could be like, all right, well, he was the reason we won a cup. All right, cool. It's not just he has a cup and he's been here forever, so it would be it would be weird to me. But that is just me specifically. Oh, I don't want to get. Oh, do I want to? Do I want to ask it. this question? Do it. Do it. Do it. Okay. So Anders Lee is hurt, right? Yeah. Uh, assuming the Islanders win the Stanley Cup, let's just say in in this fantasy world that happens this year. Yeah. Captain's usually the first one to get the cup are we living in a world where josh bailey would be the first one to get the stanley cup if the islanders would win this year with anders lee not being there anders lee hot like it gets whatever he needs to to like get onto the ice whether that's like a helicopter coming in or all the players propping him up on a chair or something or he like hops and skips on a carpet i don't care he has to be the first one to touch that thing uh and, and if not yeah, I guess. I guess it would be <laughs> right. Josh Bailey. It's either him or Casey Zizekas, I think. Yeah, right. Like, who else is wearing an A right now? Brock, right? Brock wears an A, does he not? He does, but I, it I don't Brock. think it would be Brock. It would. No, it, it might very well be Josh Bailey. That, that's got to count for something, no? <laughs> I don't know. Sure, maybe. I put his number there. He was the first one to raise it when they won it. All right, I guess. It, it just feels kind of... Um, like we're trying to find a reason to put him up there, which is fine because I like Josh Bailey. It's just 
let's just wait and maybe not wait. That's not really the argument I want to make here. It's just I don't think he's at the point where we need to force or or force his number up there. No. Let's just see. To me, longevity isn't going to be a uh, a strong enough argument to put his number up in the rafters. Okay. Just just on that alone. If he was retired today, like career ends today, no. But I don't know what's going to happen in the next five years. So that it's subject to change for me. Yeah, that's. I think that's why I'm kind of like, why are we debating this? Like, he's nowhere near done his career, right? He's what, 31, 32? Yeah, he's got time. Yeah, so I'm not really concerned about it. It just seems like a weird di- like discussion to be having about Josh Bailey. You know, he's creeping up on the number of games played, and we're like, oh, we should maybe get that, that banner ready. Why now? Anyways, it's just I had that in my head. I wanted to get out there. So with that, do you want to get into Down on the Farm? Yeah, because there's a little bit going on there. Um, specifically, we lost two players from our reserve list. Two of our unsigned draft picks are no longer with the club as it stands today. Yes. Um, and that's 2019 draft picks, Cole Koski and Fidix Bebo. Does that concern you at all? Not at all. Okay. No, not at all. With all due respect to them, they weren't cracking the NHL roster. Uh, they played with the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, now Islanders this year. Um, and they were, eh. Bebo was good near the end, right? He put up three points in the final three games. He only had four on the year. He played 12 games of 24, so that, that tells you a lot already. Yeah. And then Koski had five points in 16 games, and they were kind of spread out over the year. Um, just not impactful at the AHL level. Uh, and so like, I, I'm not really worried about, about losing them at all. It's not that big of a loss whatsoever. No. Is there really... I was going to say, they're not really ones from that draft class that I remember you being too excited about. No. like So this is, what, three or two draft classes ago, right? Yeah. 2019. Um, Samuel Bolzik is the, is the big get of that one, and that, that seems to be panning out perfectly. Uh, we're talking about here, Koski's a seventh rounder and Bibo's a sixth rounder. Like, those are very much you're throwing a dart out there and hoping it sticks. And, like, they were productive at the OHL level for Koski and QMJHL for Bibo, but when it translated to the pros, at least under the Bridgeport system, it really didn't work out. Yeah, so really no issue there. Not losing any sleep over that. No, like, the way that I look at it uh, is that you've got two guys going out and you have guys coming in that can replace them and and do better, and and we do in Reese Newkirk and, and Colin Adams. So both of those guys should be better prospects than those two. I would, I would believe. Okay, I can get behind that. My last thing is uh, Russian Ishkakov. I seem to always be on him, but I spoke to his GM today, and the one thing that that stood out from our, our conversation was that he kept saying that they don't really get this type of player over to Germany very often. Okay. That's intriguing. As in, like the the quality of player is is higher than what they usually are able to attract to the league. So, is that a positive or a negative for Ruslan Iskakov? Because uh, positive, because clearly there's talent there and they're excited about it. But the reason why my brain almost went negative at first is, well, what aren't the Islanders seeing? Yeah, I don't I don't understand why he's not signed to a pro deal. I, I, I sorry, and by pro deal I mean with the Islanders itself. Um, they don't have to, right? Like they have his his rights until next year. 
Uh, so there's no rush. He's a 2018 draft pick. Um, but like, it doesn't make sense. I think they have it until August 15th because he was committed to um, UConn, although he was drafted not out of there. Regardless, either way, they have his they have his rights for a while. Um, it doesn't make sense not to bring him over based off the year he had. He was maybe not, maybe not a dominant player, but he was a top player in the Finnish league. And to not bring him over seems really strange. I, I still don't understand. There's no like numbers around it either. Like they could bring him in and still have room on the team. I, I don't I really don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. That was a bizarre one. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, but still that took us by surprise, I think. Yeah, and I know he wants to play at the NHL. It's not a matter of like he doesn't want to come. He will sign an NHL deal if they present him with one, as far as I can tell. And with all of my interactions with him, that's what he has said. So I don't think it's him holding out and looking for free agency uh, for greener pastures type of thing. Uh, and why wouldn't you want to go to the Islanders? They're, they're competing in the playoffs every other year. So like this seems like a good place to go. Uh, but yeah, it, it's strange. But they're very excited to have him over. He's going to play, he said, in, his, in the top nine. Uh, but it's going to be in a very scoring role. And he's, he being uh, the uh, Adler-Mannheim GM said he would be surprised if he doesn't put up a lot of points. Ooh, okay, so the expectations are very high for him. Yeah, the expectations are high. He's going to have a good year in Germany on, on a production basis. The What I'm looking for is how he's going to develop because th- this um, organization specifically is really good at developing specifically offensive talent. Okay, well, that's definitely good to hear. Is he going to play center or on the wing over there? I believe he's going to play center. Okay, so we'll keep an eye on that. And he, he, he told me he's going to play in the power play as well, of course. So, like, they, they've got set plans for him already, and, and they're really looking forward to having him there. Awesome. That's great. So, that was the last thing I had for down on the farm. There, there's not a whole lot going on now that it's summertime. Gosh. But draft is coming up soon, baby. Hey, did you watch the NHL draft lottery? No, I was still at work. No, <laughs> no one did. Okay. It was just so like random, right? It's just kind of like, hey, it's a Wednesday. Uh, let's hold the draft lottery might might as well. Gonna be honest with you, I had no idea it was today before today. So doubling down on that, do you know who's the consensus first overall? <laughs> no, I, I don't. There isn't one. Okay. That's a trick question. There isn't one, right? Like someone will tell you maybe Owen Powers. Even Steve Eiserman today was like, you you tell me. He was speaking to some reporter. You tell me who the first overall is. I have no idea. And he's drafting, what is it, fifth? No, uh, seventh? So, like, it, it's wildly up in the air. Um, P.S. Buffalo won it. Uh, so the first three is Buffalo, Seattle. They moved up a spot. Anaheim moves down a spot. Oh, poor, poor Anaheim. Yeah. But uh, good job, Seattle. They're going to get a number two overall. So That should help. Absolutely. Yes. Shall we get to the quiz, Mitch? Let's do it. Like we do every week, I have a mystery New York Islander for you to guess, Matt. It has something to do with 198. You have five clues to guess who he is. They get progressively easier as we go. Are you ready? Let's do it. First clue. I was a first round pick. They're hard to start off with. Next. I'm from Minnesota. Minnesota. Brock Nelson? Incorrect. Three. I was acquired five years after the Islanders could have drafted me. Nick Letty? 
correct. Oh, I didn't think you'd get that one. Let's go. Good job. Yeah, because they had his pick in that draft, right? And they traded it down. I think that was the Josh Bailey draft. Yeah, that was the Josh Bailey draft. Yes, you're correct. Yes. So they had his pick. Uh, my other clues were four. I draw all of my power from my beard. Okay. Um, and I, I thought maybe I could throw you off with like a Kyle, Kyle Palmieri thing. Mm -hmm. You probably would have got it there, but it's four, so that's fine. And five would have been negative 42. I would have got it for that one for sure. <laughs> I think so. So Nick Letty's episode, he has 100 and what was the 198? I already forget. It's not 198 games uh, with the Islanders, although it might very well be. It could. I'm, now I got to look it up. Usually I write this down, and uh, today I didn't for some dumb reason because I'm a big dumb dumb uh, and I forget these things. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, let's just assume it's that for now. I will find out what the 198 is, and I'll and I'll reveal it when I when you find <laughs> remember. It. Let's get to something else, Mitch. How about how about some? Uh, well, what do we call it? Uh, social segment things. Let's do it. So, what do you have for us in the social, Mitch? Anything good? So, so last time uh, when we started facing off or we were getting ready to face the Pittsburgh Penguins, I listed off a number of reasons that Penguins are dumb. Uh, I'm going to do the same thing here with Bears. Ooh, okay. So first thing, they don't even like winter. Not even polar bears like the winter. You know, when hockey is played, they just sleep the whole thing off. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to be in this sport of hockey, you got to be conscious for that time. Exactly, and they're not stupid, chunky, well, sleepy boys. Did you know that, like, uh, people or animals in hibernation don't actually sleep for the entire time? Right, they do get up and and do things, sort of. Not bears. Are you? There's two different ones. I only know the terms in French. Yeah, hiverne et hiberne. When you hibernate, you do sleep. You kind of wake up, but you go back to sleep. And when you winter, nate, I don't know what it is in English. Uh, you're up and about and, and you do things, but you do sleep on and off type of thing. See, I just, I was under the assumption until like a year ago that bears basically like, you know, like got tucked in like warm milk and out <laughs> for like three months straight. It's, it's basically that. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, there, there was a little confusion. I thought all that was what hibernation was basically like a three month nap, uh, which apparently isn't, isn't true. No, well, they because they, they give you know they they give birth to their young and anyways. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's keep going on. Yeah, sorry. Uh, on that term, they basically eat their own poop. So what happens is that when they're hibernating, they don't actually poop. Their body is able to process their poop and turn it into protein that they could then kind of like eat. Bunch of poop eaters. Yeah, bunch of poop eaters, poopy sleepy boys, and they literally eat garbage, right? How many of us have seen a brown bear go for a garbage bag and sniff around trying to find something? They're overgrown raccoons. Pretty much. They're a bigger version of a raccoon. That's fair. Sure. Right? So knock on them again. And four, they randomly adopt other animals like a koala. That's not a bear. It's not? See, that's news. No, it's a marsupial because it's got the pouch. Oh, Okay. Didn't know it's that. not a bear, right? It's not even a dumb bear. But they're like, we'll take that one, please and thank you. We need representation in Australia, I guess. Yeah, gotta stupid bears. We get, we gotta have representation in Australia. So <laughs> koalas are now bears. So how about that? Yeah, way to go, bears! You dumb, chunky, sleepy boys. 
Uh, that was good. I like that. Those those reasons are entertaining. I ho- I hope we get a why lightning or hurricanes are 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 awful. <laughs> it's gonna be not that hard to find for hurricanes, but uh, we'll find something. Um, my first one isn't just one thing in particular. It's more of uh, well, you'll see. The the okay. videos coming out of Borelli's looked like an absolute time and a half. The the crowd was super into it. It was like, I don't know, like mayhem over there. And Barry Trotz called him out by name, by the way. Yeah, that's true. Right, he had a little smile on his face when he called that out. That's uh, that that's something, man. So uh, good, good job by them. They're hosting all the parties and everyone's getting in, involved. Yeah, so just wanted to say shout out Borelli's and it looked like a blast over there for sure. I bet it's going to be jumping with the, you know, games of the Coliseum too. Yeah, well, now everyone's going to want to be there, right? They're going to want to be at the center of all of that when they can be jumping around and, and doing that thing. So, yeah, good job by them. What else you got, Mitch? Uh, so I, I found out the Nick Letty thing. He has 198 assists. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, all right, so my my last one, and this is an actual uh, thing from social media, uh, is from uh, Nick or at Nick Zareris says, in the last three years, no NHL team has more goals at five-on-five five in the postseason than the New York Islanders' 77. I thought the Islanders don't score, Mitch. Right? They, they don't score, and they're the worst uh, team at five-on-five five in the postseason. The worst, I heard, frequently. No, no, that is, in fact, incorrect. Incorrect. It's ridiculous. Wow. There you go. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, my last one is I I came out from the Islanders account. So they tweeted out the bench reaction to the overtime goal. And did you notice what happened to Kyle Palmieri? I didn't. I didn't see that. Okay. So Anthony Bovillier and Kyle Palmieri embrace and they're jumping around. They're hugging. It's like, oh, that's adorable, by the way. But I am in this scenario. I am Kyle Palmieri. So he goes over the boards to like go celebrate with the team. Just flat out trips going over the board. Just lands right <laughs> face down, which would 100% be me. In like, a, yes, let's go celebrate. I would also then fall on my face. Oh, man. that's I didn't see that. I'm going to have to go and find it now and look at it. Oh, I can't. I, they have all kinds of other videos going on there. Um, but that's hilarious that he just falls over. A, a, a pro, right, who does that a thousand times a game, jump over the boards, in the one moment where it kind of matters the most and everyone's watching you, he falls flat on his face. Yes, so I noticed that and I got a good giggle out of it, so I wanted to share. That's hilarious. Sorry, Kyle. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> so just a couple of plugs before we go. Wherever you're listening to the show, please make sure to subscribe. Give a rating and review. That really helps us out a lot. We appreciate all the love and support. You could also follow along with us on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is Matt O'Leary NY. Mitch is over at TLO Mitch. Facebook, facebook.com slash eyes on aisles. You could also download the fan sided app, get us there, or visit the website eyesonisles.com. And last but not least, you could check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles for $5 a month. You get a whole bunch of bonus content over there. Post game shows after every single game, breaking down the game, giving out winners and losers, all stuff like that mailbag show videos it's a whole lot of fun over there right mitch yeah we have 28 questions to get to for the mailbag it's gonna be a big one we're gonna have a long night ahead of us so uh 
That's going to do it for us on this episode here on 198. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am Matt O'Leary. He is Mitch Anderson, and we'll talk to you next time. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.